You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation chapter 6, we saw last week in chapter 5, we saw the, the scene that unfolds in heaven around the throne of God. And uh, what, a, what a glorious scene that was where uh, John, he wept much because he said there was no one that was found worthy to take the book, the scroll, and to open the seals until he saw in the midst of the throne, he saw the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was slain. And Jesus Christ is worthy. He is worthy uh, of, of your love. He is worthy of your service. He is worthy of all the praise of all the people and all the nations, uh, past, present, future. He's worthy of all the praise of all the angels in heaven. He is worthy. And we saw that last week, that scene in heaven. But now we get to Revelation chapter 6. And in Revelation chapter 6, we see that, yes, the lamb is still the focus. Verse number one, John says, And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. Here we see the beginning of the tribulation period on earth. Remember last week we discussed some events that will take place and the order in which they will take place. The, the first event that we're looking for, the next event that we're looking for is the rapture of the church. That's when the trumpet sounds and we're out of here. Hallelujah, what a day that will be. And in heaven, we will uh, stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's not a place of punishment. That's nothing for you to, to be fearful. Oh no, what if uh, you know, God punishes me for my sin? If you're saved and you go to heaven and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, God's not going to punish you for your sin. Your sins have already been paid for. Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. But at the judgment seat, it'll be a place of reward. It'll be a place of rewards for our service, a place of crowns that will be given. After the judgment seat, we will have in heaven the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that'll be a feast, and that'll be a celebration. And, and again, that will be all of, of, of the, the saved from all the ages gathered around, worshiping and praising God. But on earth, after the rapture, will be the beginning of a seven-year tribulation period where it will make the world wars look like picnics. It'll make the Holocaust look like a walk through the park. What will take place on planet Earth in those seven years will be a judgment and will be a chaos and will be a tragedy like this world has never, ever known. And that will last for seven years. Can you imagine having to go through something like that? I can't imagine going through something like that for seven hours or seven days or, or seven months, but seven years. And that is what people on earth will face that do not know Jesus Christ. Those who are saved, they're raptured out. We're in heaven. We'll be with the Lord. And praise God for the fact that we will be with Jesus. We'll be saved from the tribulation. But those who go through the tribulation, it'll be seven years of persecution, seven years of judgment, 
And you think seven years is a long time. Seven years is nothing compared to what those people will experience for all of eternity in a lake of fire. I tell you, if this series in Revelation does nothing else for us, I hope it wakes us up to the fact that we have the answer for a lost world. We have the truth. We have the gospel. We know the way of escape that anybody, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And I want to tell you, we've got the good news. And I hope your heart is broken. I hope your heart is burdened. I hope your heart is gripped when you think about what will happen on this earth for those who go through the tribulation. Now, I believe Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe Jesus is coming soon? I believe it. As sure as I'm standing here, I believe that Jesus could come back tonight. I just believe that could happen. I'm not saying it will. I just believe it could. It could happen at any moment. But if that's true, that means that those of us in this room that are saved, when Jesus comes, we will be in heaven and we will be with the Lord forever. But that means those who are not saved, those who are on this earth, they will go through a tribulation period. Can I tell you, I don't want anybody to go through that tribulation. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I, and by, by the way, God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And so as we look at the tribulation, I want us to think about that timetable and I want us to think about while we are in heaven with the Lord, this is happening on planet earth in the seven years of tribulation. Verse number one. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. That's the first of seven seals. Now, the seals are that which has secured the scroll. Uh, we use today uh, for, for documents, we use passwords, right? Uh, sometimes if, you, if you've got your, your, your phone that's got the face recognition or the face ID, it's so that uh, you, you, you have some security in whatever that document is. Well, the seal in Bible times, it was like a wax seal that especially a, a Roman ruler would use that wax seal and many times he would seal it with his ring or with his signet to ensure that he indeed was the originator, he was the author of that document. And so the delivery man would take that document to the intended recipient, and when they received that role, they would see that seal, and they would know, okay, this is legitimate, this is authentic, this is from the ruler, this is from the king. And so these seals are on this scroll, and there's no one that's worthy to open the seals except for one, and that is the lamb, verse number one, that is opening the first seal. And it says, I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. It's as if there's something that happens to get everybody's attention. And John says, I saw. I saw what was happening when that first seal was opened. And one of the four beasts who were found in chapter four around the throne of God, one of the four beasts said to John, Come and see. And that's what this book of Revelation is all about. God wants you to see some things. He wants you to know some things. He wants you to see his plan unfolding for the nations. And it says in verse two, I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow. That, that's a weapon. And a, a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. 
Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts in these moments we're together. I pray that we would uh, have hearts that would be uh, open and receptive. I pray that you'd help our minds to uh, comprehend these truths and to help us uh, to make application to our lives. I thank you that we have the book of Revelation. I thank you that we have your word. And I pray that we would not take it lightly. But I pray that you'd help us to uh, receive your word and uh, live accordingly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see the first seal is the start. It's the beginning of the tribulation on earth. Now, the tribulation lasts for seven years, and it goes from Revelation 6 to Revelation 19. In these chapters, we will see of the, the seven years tribulation, we will see there are seven seal judgments. Then there are seven trumpet judgments, and then there are seven vile or seven bowl judgments where the wrath of God is poured out. You say, well, why is the wrath of God poured out? Because God is a holy God. He is a righteous God. He is a God that judges sin. You say, well, pastor, you know, I've got some sin in my life. Nobody really knows about it. And, you know, I've gotten away with it. I, I'm good. I got news for you. Nobody gets away with sin. God judges sin. He doesn't always judge it right away. He doesn't always judge it like you or I think. Uh, maybe you've got a, a family member, you've got a friend or a coworker, and I'm telling you, they are living it up. They are partying. They are, they're, they're constantly, they're cursing and they're living wickedly. And it seems like they're getting away with it. I got news for you. God always judges sin. That is who he is. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. He is a righteous judge. And so God will judge sin. But it's as if God in his mercy and God in his grace, and that's where we're living now. We're living in the age of grace. God is giving time for people to repent and giving time for people to get saved. But there's coming a day when the, the grace will stop and the judgment will will be executed on a wicked and godless world. And that's where we see in Revelation chapter 6. We see that the, the scroll, the title deed of the earth is opened and uh, Jesus holds this right as the creator and as the redeemer. He is the lamb that is worthy. And now this lamb who is worthy, this lamb who has been slain, is now the judge of all the earth. The tribulation period in the scripture has many names. It is called the day of the Lord. Many times in Isaiah and Joel and in the book of Acts and in 2 Thessalonians and 2 Peter. It's called the day of the Lord's vengeance. It's called in Jeremiah the time of Jacob's trouble. You see, these seven years are tribulation that affect the entire earth. But these are seven years of God judging his people for their rejection of the Messiah. Uh, hold your place in Revelation 6 and turn with me in the Old Testament to Daniel chapter 9. I want you to see how this tribulation, um, how it affects and how this tribulation relates to the Jews, God's chosen people. It says in Daniel chapter 9, in verse number 24, it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. And we've gone through the book of Daniel. It's been several years ago. But we see that these 70 weeks are 70 weeks of years. And so these 70 weeks of years is a total of 490 years 
that were prophesied for the people of God. It says in verse number uh, 24 that they're determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, uh, unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks or uh, 49 years and three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. So here's what we see. There's the first seven weeks, then there are the 62 weeks. So 69 of the 70 weeks were completed when Jesus was crucified. So you say, well, what happened to those last seven years? What happened to that 70th week? Well, here's what we find. That 70th week has not happened yet. But that 70th week, and remember, it's one week of, of seven years. That time of seven years has not happened. It has not been fulfilled. And so it says in verse number 26 that after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And that's what the Romans did. They destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. Uh, and the end thereof shall be with the flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, that's seven years, and in the midst of the week, in the midst of that seven-year tribulation, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate until, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, here's what that is saying about the 70th week, the tribulation period, that the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. And you know what the Antichrist is going to do for those seven years? He's going to make a treaty. He's going to make a peace treaty with Israel for seven years. But halfway through that seven-year peace treaty, the Antichrist is going to break that treaty. And it's going to be revealed who the Antichrist really is. And you want to know who the Antichrist is? He's a puppet that is controlled by Satan himself. And that Antichrist, halfway through that tribulation, he's going to turn on the Jews and he is going to persecute and kill and do everything he can to destroy God's people. You say, why would God allow that? Well, do you remember what happened when Jesus came? The Bible says he came unto his own, but his own received him not. He came unto his own and his own crucified him. And so now for these last 2,000 years, we've been in the, the times of the Gentiles where the Jews have literally, they've been set aside as if on a shelf awaiting God to finish his dealings with them. And so that's why in Jeremiah 30, the tribulation is referred to as the time of Jacob's trouble. In Revelation, it's called the great day of his wrath. And then in the book of Daniel, it's the 70th week. So here we see in Revelation chapter 6, number 1, we see the first seal. The first seal, we see there is a rider on a white horse. Now, who else do we know in Revelation 19? Who else comes riding on a white horse? 
Jesus does. And is this not so typical of the way that Satan operates? You know what Satan loves to do? He loves to produce counterfeits. Satan himself, the devil, Beelzebub, the devil even himself is transformed into an angel of light. You see, Satan doesn't come with the pitchfork and the horns and the tail and try to get you to do bad stuff. Satan will come and he'll try to deceive you like he did in the Garden of Eden. Hath God said, oh, if God really loved you, he wouldn't tell you you couldn't do that. Oh, Eve, you've got it so hard. That's how Satan comes. And I'll tell you this, we should not be ignorant of his devices because he's doing the same thing today. He's trying to get people off track. He's trying to convince people that, that the way to get to heaven is by being a good person. Boy, if you will just be religious. Boy, if you'll just get baptized. If you'll just join a church. If you'll just be a good neighbor. Hey, then, then certainly God would let you into heaven. And can I tell you that actually that sounds plausible. That sounds good. Well, well, sure, we ought to really try hard to be good. But the problem is, that's anti-Bible. Because the Bible says, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to his mercy. He saved us. Satan is the master deceiver. He is the master counterfeiter. And here, Satan brings a rider on a white horse who comes carrying a bow, and he's got a crown given unto him, he is lauded, he is praised, and probably as a world ruler, he is exalted. But notice in verse 2, why did this rider come on the white horse? It says he came conquering and to conquer. And I want to tell you, that's what Satan's out to do in your life. He's not playing games. Satan's not taking it easy. Satan's not feeling sorry for you. Satan's out to devour you. Satan's out to destroy me. Satan would love nothing more than to devour and destroy and to scatter God's people. You know why? Because he can't get to God. He can't touch God. He already tried that and he got booted out of heaven. He knows that he is no match for God, but he wants to try to hurt God by hurting God's children. And so we see this rider on the white horse. Number two, we see not only the first seal of the rider on the white horse, but number two, we see the second seal, verse three. And again, there's a beast that says to John, come and see. And so John, he goes over there and he is watching. It's as if I said, hey, I don't want to just tell you about something. I want you to see the video. And we turn it on and wow, there it is. John is seeing these things in heaven. He's seeing them unfold. And the second, beast, uh, the, the second beast announces the second seal. And the Bible says in verse 4, there went out another horse that was red. So number one, we've got the first seal is a white horse. Number two, the second seal is a red horse. And the Bible says, and power was given to him that sat thereon. Now, this rider on the red horse, we don't know who this rider is. The rider on the white horse is probably the Antichrist, but we're not sure who's riding on the red horse. But notice what it says. Power was given unto this person. 
Well, who gives power anyway? Who's in control of all that? God is. And I want to remind you that while this tribulation is happening on earth, there is nothing outside of the control of Almighty God. He's got it all taken care of. Anything that happens in your life or mine, it has first been filtered through the hand of God. There are no surprises with God. Uh, you, you say, oh, we had this terrible, awful accident. And can I tell you, maybe you did. But God allowed it. God knew. You say, well, I don't understand why God would do something like that. Well, I don't understand why God does things either. But I'm not God. And you're not God. But we trust him and we know that he is sovereign. We know that he's in control. Here he gives power to this rider on the red horse, verse number three. And it says, he gave him power to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Now, again, does this not sound like Satan? You know what Satan loves to do? He loves to come into your life and he loves to come into your home and he loves to come into this church and he loves to take all the peace he possibly can. He doesn't want you to have peace. You know why? Because peace comes from God. And peace is a blessing that God gives. And if Satan can steal your peace, he would love to do it every day of the week. Now let's talk about, for just a minute, let's talk about peace. Number one, we know that we have peace with God when we get saved. It's the blood of Jesus that allows us to be at peace with a holy God. And it is the blood of Jesus that allows us to have that peace. But not only is there peace at salvation, but God wants you to have peace with him every day of your life. The Bible says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, right? The Bible says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall fill your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. God wants you to have peace. God wants me to have peace. Satan does not want you to have peace. Satan wants you to fight. Satan wants you to be bitter. Satan wants you to be angry. Satan wants you to argue. Satan wants you to debate. Satan wants you to criticize. But God wants you and I to have peace. But not only is there peace with God through salvation and peace with God daily in a relationship, but God wants us to have peace with one another. The Christmas story, right? The angels came, they announced the birth of the Messiah and the angel said, peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and when He comes, He will bring peace. But here we see the rider on the red horse. He comes not to give peace, <laughs> He comes to snatch it away. He comes to take it away. He wants to destroy, He wants to create havoc. This red horse is a, a picture of bloodshed. The Bible says in verse number uh, four that power was given for Him to take peace. And that when he takes the peace away, people should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword, a, a great authority, a great weapon, a great power was given to this rider on the red horse. Number three, we see the third seal is, uh, is opened in verse number five. In this seal, we find that there is a rider on a black horse. It says in verse number five, and I beheld and lo, a black horse and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. 
Now, balances or scales are referred to many times in the Bible. And there's nothing wrong with a balance. There's nothing wrong with the scale. As a matter of fact, the Bible says a just weight is God's delight, but a false balance is an abomination to God. But this rider on the black horse, he comes bringing a pair of balances or scales. And here's the reason for it in verse 6. I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Here we see this black horse represents famine. The red horse represents war. And what happens after war? A lot of times there's famine. A lot of times the, the prices skyrocket and, and you, you find out that you can't even get food. And, and the money you have really is worth nothing because you give it all just to get some food. And the Bible says during this time in the tribulation that there will be people that will give a penny. A penny in the Bible was the equivalent of a day's wage. And there will be people in the tribulation that will give an entire day's wage just to have enough food to survive for that day. Can you imagine that? Well, we complain about the prices of food and we complain about inflation and all that. This world hasn't seen anything yet. To work an entire day, a, a, a full day, and everything you earn just goes to buy enough food to keep you alive. But that's what will happen during the tribulation with the opening of that third seal with the black horse. We see in Revelation 13 that eventually the Antichrist will control the economy to the point that nobody can even buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast. We see the economy crashes. We see the prices soar. We see the famine is prevalent throughout the world at this time. But then number four, quickly, I see the fourth seal in verse number seven. This is not a white horse or a red horse or a black horse, but this is a pale horse. Pale meaning sickly. And the Bible says that this horse has a rider. And the rider on this horse was named Death. Now, I don't know who this rider is, but anyone that's named Death, that's probably not the person you want to be hanging around. I've heard a lot of nicknames. I've heard a lot of people refer to people by certain names, but I've never heard anybody say, oh yeah, there's Brother Death over there. Yeah, hey, Brother Death, could you help us? We need to get some bulletins in here for these folks. Death is riding on this pale horse, and guess who's following Death? Hell. These are two guys you don't want to be hanging around. These are guys that are not good. These are not going to have good endings. These two Riders, these two that are coming, uh, one on the pale horse and the other following him. And it says, To death and hell there was power given unto them over the fourth part of the earth. Now, I don't know what the population will be during the start of the tribulation, but if Jesus comes back today, we're getting close to, I think we're about, is it eight billion people on planet earth? Does anybody know how many billion? It's about seven, eight billion. Let's say eight. That's a little bit easier to divide. So you have eight billion people. 
What's a fourth of the population of the world if you've got 8 billion people? 2 billion people will die when this seal is open. Two, I didn't say million. 2 billion. And notice how these people will die because death and hell come and there is, again, there's power given. This is God is allowing this to happen. This is the judgment and the wrath of God poured out on this world. And it says that they will be killed with the sword. Now, I think we all understand that, that there's, not a, there's not a good way to die. I think we all understand that. But being killed with a sword... That is not an easy way to go. But the sword will kill. And then it says hunger. Now, it doesn't say that people will just starve to death. It says people will be killed with hunger. That means there will be people that will actually be forced into death by starvation. Again, I've never experienced that. And neither of you because you're here. But I can't imagine that. They say that that is a terrible, awful thing that some prisoners of war have gone through. And they've experienced going without food for starvation. And what it does to your mind and in your body, I can't even fathom that. But there will be a fourth of the population killed by the sword and killed by hunger and with death. And then it says, and with the beasts of the earth. I don't know if we're talking about now in, in places where there are lions and where there are bears. I don't know if it's talking about uh, uh, wild beasts. I don't know if there'll be some, some uh, unusual beast that will be unleashed during this time, but I can't imagine uh, what it would be like to be attacked by a wild beast to the point of death. But there will be a fourth of the world's population that will die. We see that these two, death and hell, were armed with these weapons of sword and hunger and death and beasts of the earth. But then we see number five quickly. We see the fifth seal. And, and I want you to see this. We won't get through all of this, but I, I, you've got to see what this seal is all about in verse nine. The four horsemen uh, have been concluded in the first four seals and the first four horses. But now this fifth seal, John says, I saw, verse nine, under the altar, the souls of them that were slain. For the word of God and for the testimony which they held. I've got a lot of things I want to say about that. I'll say it uh, uh, next time. But verse 10, they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord? Holy and true, how long dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Have you ever asked that question? When you're going through something, and I know we've not gone through a tribulation like this, and even we've not experienced what these souls who were martyred, these souls who were persecuted, we've not experienced that. But these souls are crying out to God, and they say, God, we know you're holy, we know you're right, we know you're true, but God, how long until you do something about it? We go through some things, don't we? And we wonder how long. I don't believe there's anything wrong with asking God that question. How long? Here's why. Because these souls, they said, God, we know you're holy. We know you're right. We know you're true. We trust you. 
We're just wanting to know how much longer. And I'll say this tonight with whatever you're going through, I don't know how long you'll go through it, but I know that God has the answer. And I know that God's timing is perfect. And I want you to see just very quickly, we'll get into this next week, but I want you to see God's answer in verse 11. It says, and white robes were given unto every one of them. That's a good thing. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season. You know what God told them? He said, you can rest. You can trust me. You don't have to panic. You don't have to stress. You don't have to fret. You can rest. I've got it all under control. And then it says this, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. God said, well, first of all, it's not over yet. There's still more that are going to be persecuted. There's still more that are going to be slain. But God said it will all be fulfilled. You know what that means? That means that God has it all under control. While you and I are crying out and saying, Lord, how long? How long for this sickness? How long till we get some answers? How long for this pain? How long for this trial? How long for this burden? How long for this, this pressure that I'm under? Lord, how long? You know what you find out when you ask God how long? You find out that he's got it all under control. And if God's got it all under control during a worldwide tribulation, I know that God's got it all under control for you and me. And I know that his timing is always perfect. I don't know when it's going to be. You don't know when it's going to be. But God does. And until it's fulfilled, you can rest in him. And you can trust in him. And you can know that it's out of your control, but it's still in God's control. It's in his hands. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week. Thank you.